Welcome to another episode of Mormon Discussion Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Real, and I'm grateful for the chance to sit with you today. Today, I want to talk about something that happened yesterday and quite scary. And so uh, I'll tell the story, I guess, as straightforward as I can. I, uh, I came to work yesterday, and I our store opens up at 10, but I show up at some time significantly earlier than that usually. So for example, uh, here I am at 8.16 a.m. on the 20th of August. And so I pull into my uh, parking uh, lot, and I park in a space, and I go inside my store. Everything is normal as can be, and then... Uh, my friend and my boss uh, shows up around, I think, about um, 10.30 or so. And when he gets here, he sees that there is a box sitting on the trunk of my car. So he grabs the box and he brings it inside and sets it on the counter. And I see the box and, and I've got other things going on for the day. There's you know things as the manager of a store that that I'm taking care of. So I'm kind of ignoring the box until he brings it up later because I've got other things I'm working on and it's it's not a pressing issue for me. And I'm, because he brought it in, I'm sure he'll he'll have a conversation at some point. And um, about halfway through the day, I say, hey, what are we doing with this box in the back counter? And he goes, that box, that's, you left that box outside on your trunk. I said, no, 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 I didn't. And this box, I've got to describe it. It's, uh, it's maybe a nine inch by nine inch by nine inch square box it is completely duct taped the entire box has lots of layers of duct tape all around it so that in this nine inch by nine inch by nine inch square box all you see is about an eighth inch of the cardboard everything else is duct taped and what's written on the box is this message family pawn Perhaps you may find customers for these donated items. I am now much too old for them to be of any help to me. Be safe, be well, rely on evidence-based reason. So I, I read that and then I look to my boss and I say, whoa, 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 slow down for a minute. Let's not open that up. Like you understand, like in that moment, and I have to stop here and talk for a second. In that moment, I am thinking lots of things, and and let me go through them. First, the duct tape being all over the box for me is a deep red flag. When you cover something in duct tape, you are trying to make sure that anyone outside the box is not affected by what's inside the box. Second, that last sentence on the the box, rely, be safe, be well, rely on evidence-based reason. That to me is a significant sentence that says this box is intended for bill real now it's sitting on the back of my car so in a moment i'll get to it but we look at the video footage of what happened but the fact that it's sitting on the back of my car is really odd why would someone want to give family upon something but put this box on the back of my car and so um the next thought i have is i think and this is all within like an eighth of a second my next thought I have is Mark Hoffman. And immediately I'm thinking, you know, to my boss, like, hey, Chris, you, you picked that box up and you brought it inside. I would not have touched that box. And I'm immediately starting to engage him in this conversation. Hey, Chris, let me tell you what I'm thinking. This box was put on the back of my car. This box is 
wrapped with more duct tape than most of us would ever even think to assign to a box that we're dropping off at a pawn shop. Chris, that last sentence is pointed as if it's for me. And it was put on the back of my car. And immediately he starts connecting the dots like, oh shit, like you're right. And so here's this, this box wrapped, wrapped in duct tape with this kind of cryptic message. And he's like, what do you want to do? And I said, I'm going to be honest. I'm not, I'm not opening that box. That box, you, you know, I know that people out there, there are people out there who hate me. I know that there are people out there who feel like I am responsible for their child or their father or their brother leaving the church. I'm aware of, for instance, Lindsay Hansen Park and the uh, issues she's had to deal with with somebody making threats and stalking her. I have received personal messages from people who have said really mean and nasty things to me and who blame me for their family, their loved ones leaving the church. Now, most of the feedback I get is positive. By no means, please understand that everything I get is negative. It's very little. In the scheme of all the messages I get, I'm lucky if maybe 1% of the messages I get are hateful and have any degree of violence rhetoric to them uh, or resentment to, to me. Almost everything is positive. But I'm aware of Lindsay Hansen Park's story. I'm aware of the Mark Hoffman uh, history. And everything about this box is a red flag. The message, the duct tape, it's on, my, it's on my trunk of my car. And so as we're talking, me and my boss are talking, me and my buddy, we're talking. And what do you want to do? So he ends up picking up the phone and he calls a uh, friend who's also in, the, in law enforcement. And he runs the, the scenario by him of what's going on. And his buddy says, look, I would just call the local police. You know, hopefully they won't shut the whole block down. Hopefully they'll take, uh, they'll take this seriously. Um, but, and they have tools like, you know, some of our departments have uh, handheld x-ray machines that can look inside a box and see what's in there. And so it becomes, you know, viable to reach out to the police without causing some major incident and to hopefully be able potentially get to know what's kind of in this box without opening it. And I'm, I'm scared. I'm a little, you know, I'm a little nervous about all this. So we, we call the police and the officer comes and we explain to him why, the last sentence is, is significant and um, raises our eyebrows. I explain who I am and what I do in the public arena. We explain the story about the box. And, and while the police officer's on the way, we pull up our video footage. And we can see that a car pulls into our parking lot, stops by. I mean, this car pulls right into our parking lot, drives right up to my car, stops immediately, takes the box, and puts it on my trunk, gets back in the car immediately, turns around, and leaves. And there you have another red flag. And so we show the officer the footage. We, um, we've got a license plate. We've got all these things. And so he figures out who it is. He runs the, the plate. Um, but it's, it's not somebody, you know, it's not somebody I know. It's not somebody I'm aware of. And... Um, we sit and have a conversation about this box. Now we've got tons of cameras outside, by the way, cameras inside the store, cameras outside the store. Um, there's somewhere around 25 to 30 cameras outside. There's about 10 to 12 that are visible. And then another, I think 14, 15, 16 that are 
hidden that aren't visible. We've got about the same number of cameras in our store. Um, if someone walks into our store and you look around, you'll see about uh, 12 cameras visible. And I think we have about another 12 cameras that are not visible. And it's the reason, for instance, that our store, cross my fingers, knock on wood, our store has never been robbed. Yet Walgreens next door has been robbed several times to the point where uh, the uh, Hurricane Police Department has come over and asked for our camera footage because, you know, I suppose our cameras are significantly higher quality than theirs, have asked for our camera footage of their parking lot because our cameras are better. And we've, we've worked with the police and actually have helped several times to solve crimes to the point where the police chief in Hurricane came in and, and thanked me um, individually and, and gave me a little gift for helping them solve a case. And so if you come to Family Pond, you know, there's just multiple cameras on you no matter where you're at in the store, outside of the store. If you try to shoplift, you know, we've had maybe five times in five years someone's tried to shoplift at our store every single time we've been able to figure out who it was and to prosecute them. And so if you're the person who dropped this box off, for instance, I'll just say this, I'll say this on the front end because um, I'm not going to share your name and I'm, and I'm not going to go any further with your name. So I, I just want you to know that your identity is safe and um, because I, I think from that last sentence on the box, I think you know who I am. And now I know who you are. And I'm just simply saying like, no big deal. It really isn't. And um, th- that's important because people, people have a right to privacy. So the box, I'll go back to the story here. So this box is sitting on our counter and there's me, my, my buddy, my boss, uh, another, another employee, and this police officer, and we're looking at the box, we're putting a magnet around the box, we're you know, lifting the box up a little bit, although my, my buddy already carried the box in. So I looked at him and said, you know, you could have you know, you could have died this morning in an explosion. Like from here on out, if there's something strange, and whatever that strange is, seems like it could possibly be connected to somebody who hates me, don't touch it. Don't go anywhere near it. Let's, let's handle these situations very carefully. Because... I'm well aware that there is somewhere on this planet is a human being or two who thinks my life is worthless. So as we're picking up the box a little bit, it's light. It doesn't have much weight to it. Um, The magnet is having a little bit of magnetism, but it's, it's not significant. And so it doesn't seem like it's, you know, a pipe bomb. It doesn't seem like it's anything crazy. And and the officer says, look, man, it could just be a gift. I mean, who knows what this is? And nobody wants to do anything so at this point, you know, we, we either figure out what's in the box or we don't. We either throw the box in the dumpster and call it a day, or we take a shot here. We open this box and we put our life at peril. So I went over to our, our shelf of loose tools and I grabbed a pair of box cutters. And uh, I went back over to the box and I'm always trying to think about things in a smart way. So for instance, I didn't, I didn't want to just cut open the box from the top. I didn't want to turn the box upside down. I... I just reached over to the side and I I picked a spot that I assume like, okay, if you're going to cut a box, where would the person who put the box together not expect you to cut the box? And so I cut the box on the side and cut just a little tiny sliver, just enough to be able to see inside. And once I cut the box open, I could see inside that there were CD or DVD cases. And uh, so a little bit of my anxiety is down. 
and I cut open the box further, and I reach my hand in. And as I start to pull out... All right, so no, there wasn't an explosion. I pulled out the DVDs, and what was in there was adult uh, sex education DVDs. And so as I am pulling these out, and I'm like, oh my gosh, we just called the police, and for a half an hour, we fretted over what was inside this box. And what's inside the box is six or seven um, instructional DVDs on how to have better sex in your life. And so hilarious, the person donating them, now it all makes sense why they duct taped the box, why they um, didn't want to come in and they dropped it off on my car, why uh, the message was such, other than the last sentence still seems a little odd to me. And so again, I still think the person knows who I am, um, but hilarious. And uh, I just want to say thank you. I, I took those home last night and uh, watched one of them with my wife about the art of seduction and uh, found it uh, quite um, beneficial to uh, my wife and I's uh, romantic relationship. So I just want to thank the, the, the listener, if that's who it was, who did that. Uh, to each of you, I will say, like, I'm, I, like senses of hu- I, I like a sense of humor, and I like to laugh, and I like to have fun. So I'm sure there's going to be a few of you who go, like, Bill, that wasn't funny. I, okay. Um, in the moment, I literally was scared. And I literally am aware of the threats that are out there to folks like me who help others deconstruct Mormonism. And I'm also aware of the threats that are real to church leaders and people inside the church who are well-known because of the same kinds of crazy people that are out there. And um, I simply want to say, like, we all have to live our lives and we, we're all taking risks every day. And that this situation was deeply scary. Um, and But in the end, it just turned out to be a nothing. And it turned out to be funny. And it turned out to be a story worth telling. And so I hope that uh, the two things happen from this episode. One is that you're aware, as a listener, to, to some of the extremist thought and feelings that sometimes are present in both people who feel lied to and leave the church, as well as people who feel like their loved one was lied to when their loved one leaves the church. And that we all have a responsibility to use our rhetoric to speak light to truth, but also not to encourage uh, extremist uh, points of view or extremist behavior in how we all conversate and deal with each other on these things. And that doesn't take away the real trauma that's done to people as they learn the church isn't true, and the real trauma that comes from sitting back and beginning to understand all of the mechanisms that were used against you to keep you believing. And it also doesn't negate the real pain that people feel when their loved one leaves the church and they feel like their loved one was deceived into leaving. The pain is real. The situations, the, the mechanisms, the, the awareness of what happened, all of that's real. But to speak about it in healthy ways, as healthy as we can anyway. And then lastly, connected to that, to realize some of the real harm that we, on both sides, do 
in the name of religion and to look in the mirror and to look at ourselves and to just be more responsible with the things we say and what we do. This situation turned out to be a nothing, but, the, but my thinking about Lindsay, Lindsay's situation was real. The Mark Hoffman thing was real. And so there are real um, threats based on people's brains not really working exactly right and people being capable of really unhealthy behavior. And so just, just to be more sensible and more responsible in how we handle conversations out there, out in the blogger knackle. And last, and I guess one last thing, which is the gift was, and that's not, I don't know if it's a gift, it's donated to the pawn shop, but the idea of what was in there, regardless of what that person's mindset was, made for a laugh yesterday. And it was, it was fun to have us, what looked like a serious situation turn into humor. And that I, I hope each of you find ways to laugh and to see the funny that goes on every day in your lives, because I, I do think laughter is is the best medicine. And, and not that it cures disease, because life is going to happen. Bad shit's going to go down. Your parents are going to get sick. Your kids are going to get in car accidents. Your, your brother is going to get, you know, this, and your sister's going to get that. And, and you yourself are going to have health issues and tragic accidents in your life. And I, I often think about, this is, you know, the depressing part. I'm a, I'm a happy guy. I get up on the right side of the bed every day. I'm I'm always excited to take on the day and I enjoy my life and I'm always having a good time. And I'm lucky that a lot of bad shit hasn't happened to me, but I've had my trials. I've had things happen. I lost my mom last year to cancer. My body sometimes doesn't feel great because I've got sleep apnea and COPD. I've got a torn ACL in my left knee. I've had my ACLs repaired on my knees four times. I've got, you know, early onset here of arthritis due to some of that. My hearing isn't always great because I've got some ear issues. You know, I struggle with issues in my marriage. I struggle with problems with my kids. But my life is good, and I'm happy, and I love my life. And I try to find ways every day to chuckle and to laugh and to have a good time. And my friends are the best friends in the world, and they're great at bringing humor into our relationship. And so find ways to have fun. Find ways to laugh. But in, this, in the midst of that, there are moments where I'm hyper-focused on death. And specifically my last three minutes and what those look like. Because I think for most of us, those last three minutes aren't going to be fun. And I often wonder, like, is a life worth it in those last three minutes? Do you sit in those last three minutes of whatever agonizing pain your death is? And do you go like, ah, you know what? I had a great life. And I don't think you do. And so maybe just to close off saying, like, life is short. And every day, each of us is closer to those last three minutes And the only thing that really makes it possible to get from here to there is to try your best to enjoy the journey leading up to it. And I know that sounds depressing, but that's really kind of how I think. Like every day, I just want to have a fun time. I want to enjoy myself. I want to have new experiences. I want to have fun experiences. I want to try new things. I want to eat good food. I want to laugh with good people. And moments like yesterday just is a reminder that every moment is precious. So enjoy it.
They say we 